Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I have the honor and pleasure of leading global social responsibility at BlackBot. I'm joined today by Tim McClyman, who's the president of the Celeste Group. So welcome to the show, Tim. Great. Well, thanks for having me. So, Tim, we are here today to talk about something that I am super passionate about, and I know you are too, and that's ESG, which is Environment Social Governance. We'll get into a little bit about what that actually is, but how it's important for nonprofits, not just public companies or not just companies. So thanks for joining us to talk about this today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our discussion. So why don't we just start at the beginning? And Tim, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is so we all know who you are? Sure. So uh, currently I'm leading a an ESG CSR philanthropy management consulting company called the Celeste Group. But prior to this and up until the end of August uh, of last year, I was head of corporate social responsibility at American Express company for uh, about 15 years. I worked at AT&T for a number of years doing similar work. Uh, I've run two nonprofit theater companies. Uh, I've been a lawyer uh, working with nonprofit oh, wow. Renaissance organizations. Man. Uh, so I have a long uh, history of, of working with nonprofits and companies uh, in this space of philanthropy and, and social responsibility, and now what we call ESG. Yeah, so you and I share that, that intersection of working with business and nonprofits. And I think I met you, I was trying to remember when I first met you, and I think it was when you were at Amex and we we were in a meeting together. So so let's talk, first of all, before we dive into this, how do you define ESG in this conversation? ESG can be the reporting of non-financial information, but what what's the context? Yeah, I think of ESG as a business strategy. So it's it's a way that companies or uh, any organization operates uh, in a way that uh, looks at their impact uh, on various stakeholders and is sets goals uh, and targets and, and metrics uh, in a public kind of way and then reports on progress toward those goals. Um, in, in metrics. So I think, of, first of all, it's a business strategy, an operating strategy. It's about what a company does, not about what they give, but it's what they do um, as an organization. And, you know, an important piece of that is you have to set public goals um, and then report on your progress toward those goals so that it's that transparency and accountability, which is such a crucial part of, of VSG work. So that's super helpful because there's there's a lot of confusion out there in the world about, you know, I look at social responsibility and the lens of social responsibility as being the highest concept. And ESG, as you said, is a strategy or a practice underneath that. Sometimes people flip them. And I think some of it is just not really deeply understanding the terminology, which is getting bandied about a lot these days. I know yeah, I, I think open my email and I get 16 requests to go to something related to ESG every day. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, there just is no common language for any of this. I, I mean, I do think that ESG has come a long way in, in trying to establish a, a common 
language and and it's really the investor community that's been pushing that so that they have a way of comparing uh, one company against another but we have a long way to go before people understand exactly what ESG is or what corporate social responsibility um, is because everybody views it differently. Yeah, and so we both know that this has long been embraced by companies, even though it's evolving. So why are you so passionate about having nonprofits embrace ESG as well? Well, uh, you know, I've spent uh, most of my life either working for a nonprofit or supporting nonprofits uh, through philanthropy. And nonprofits are businesses. You know, they're not-for-profit businesses rather than for-profit businesses, but they're businesses. And they operate with a business strategy and a, and a business model. And unfortunately, I think that nonprofits have not done a good job of being transparent about the way that they operate, about the way that they're governed, and their, about their impact um, on their communities. Some nonprofits are better than others, and, and certainly uh, a lot of nonprofits have come a long way in the last uh, few years. But overall, I think while for-profit businesses and particularly public traded for-profit businesses have really made an effort in the last five years to be more transparent and to be more accountable and to have an operating strategy that really looks at their impact on their customers and their employees and the, their communities and the planet. Nonprofits, you know, not so much. Uh, you know, they may be focused on their community uh, but not focused at all on the planet, or they might be focused on their employees, but not so much on on the community, or they, they don't have a very good idea of who their customer um, is as a business. So I think that there's a lot of potential for uh, nonprofit organizations to view ESG as an operating strategy and as a way of being more transparent and, and more accountable, not only to their investors who are their funders, uh, but to their beneficiaries, to their communities, and certainly to the planet, uh, where I think uh, many, many nonprofits pay no attention um, or little attention uh, to their impact on the environment. Yeah, so Tim, you began with a really interesting comment that takes us back to that issue of language and semantics that you said, you know, nonprofits are businesses. A lot of nonprofits would react very negatively to that and say, no, we're not. We are not businesses. So I understand they're not for profit. They're nonprofit, although they do generate revenue. They call it something else. And operating well and being solvent is deeply important. So I have come to adopt the term organizations. So mm -hmm. Companies, not you know, everybody's an organization, and organizations need to be socially responsible. Organizations need to be solvent. Organizations need revenue. They need growth. They need whatever kind, whatever your tax status is, whatever your mission is. It's funny because you say business, and sometimes that can just people like can shut down and say, no, 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 that's not me. So agree with you on all this stuff too. So so why have nonprofits been slow to incorporate? What what are the pressures you think they're facing that are unique to them? Well, certainly uh, nonprofits, uh, you know, many of them face survival um, issues and particularly because of COVID um, and the fact that many nonprofits have essentially been shut down uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they're facing funding challenges, uh, solvency. Particularly in the arts, you mentioned um, well, arts in your background. Know, 
But I think yeah. in many, many uh, organizations uh, have have severe financial problems. They're undercapitalized. Uh, they're losing staff uh, people or they're having to pay them more uh, in order to attract them and retain them, which creates more financial difficulties. So nonprofits have a whole host of of challenges, but I submit that they're not unlike the challenges that for-profit companies have in raising capital and attracting and retaining uh, employees. Uh, the difference is that in the for-profit world, particularly in the publicly traded for-profit world, it's really the investor community that's been pushing this ESG agenda. Um, I mean, yes, we've had corporate social responsibility for many, many years, for many decades. But it was always kind of viewed as on the side. It was a sort of a nice to do or, yes, we should be um, responsible, but it wasn't really done in a way that was transparent and accountable. Um, so now what's happened is that we've got this framework and you can quibble, you know, with the framework and is environmental social governance the right you know, words and the right framework. But at least it's a framework that the investor community has kind of embraced and it's and it's because the investor community has been pushing this idea that all of a sudden CEOs and senior leaders of companies have awakened to the fact that they should be paying attention to this stuff um, and that they're having to answer questions from the investor community about their ESG um, commitments. And so they're paying attention. The CFOs are paying attention. CAOs are paying attention, senior leaders are paying attention. And that unfortunately just hasn't happened in the nonprofit community, except in isolated circumstances. So I definitely think it's happened in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, where there have been funders in particular, foundation funders in particular, and some corporate funders have really been pushing the idea of uh, that organizations, nonprofit organizations need to be more diverse their boards need to be more diverse. Their staffs need to be more diverse. They need to show that they're they're servicing diverse communities. They need to be more, you know, equitable and, and inclusive and more accessible. Uh, and so there are some investors or funders who have been pushing that idea. And in some places, there are customers who have been pushing that idea or employees who have been pushing that idea. I think particularly in the university community. Uh, universities are, I think, far ahead of many other nonprofits in the way that they view sustainability work and, and ESG work. And that's happened because of their students. You know, it's their students that are pushing yep. them to be more sustainable. So that's their customers. You know, the students are their customers. And so, you know, a lot of universities have come out with with sustainability commitments and sustainability reports. And those are being, like I said, really pushed by their by their customers who are their students. But that hasn't happened as much in other parts of the nonprofit um, sector. And I think until uh, investors or funders, you know, really push organizations in this direction or until their own employees uh, do that or until their customers um, do that. It's just too easy to just be focused on your mission as a nonprofit and focused on being solvent and sustainable, you know, economically or financially. Um, and and when I 
you know, talk to nonprofit leaders about this, which I do quite a bit, they say, oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the money, you know, to do this. It takes money to convene people or to hire a consultant. I don't have the money. Nobody will give me money to do that. Uh, I don't have the time. I'm too busy um, to do this. But I think, you know, when they when they start thinking about it as a strategy, as a way of approaching an operating strategy as an organization, or like I say, as a business, you know, then they'll start focusing um, on it. But I, I think otherwise, it's one of those sort of nice to do things, you know, that maybe they should be doing more of, and maybe they should be paying more attention to. But in, until somebody starts saying, you must do this in order to get funding, you must do this in order to attract uh, and retain employees, or you must do this because your customers are insisting that you do it, it's probably not going to happen, or it's going to be many years before it happens in any substantial way. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about higher ed, and, and my college, um, I went to Dickinson College in Pennsylvania, and we have a farm now. Like, wow. there's a whole robust sustainability program, and, you know, they had, you know, charging stations way before, like, we had them in the community that I live in. It's it's the students do expect it, and it's interesting because, of course, that's what's happening in business. Employees are expecting it. Exactly. And although this may have started with investors, our first audience for our social responsibility report, new ones coming out soon, May 17th, is our people, our employees, yep. the people yep. who are already there, the people who we want to have join us. They care. We just announced our you know, carbon neutrality for 2021, and they cared about that. So, you know, it is an interesting, again, if you think about organizations needing it, then of course nonprofits would. But I do feel like it feels like this big barrier, this big lift for people to take on. And and it really is, at, at the beginning, it's a way of thinking. I mean, you've called it a business strategy or an operational strategy. But if you think, as we lead our various parts of the organization, are we making decisions through the lens of social responsibility? Are we purchasing that way? Are we treating our people well? Are we like if we if we take that way of thinking, then you're starting the orientation toward ESG without saying I must have a report with all this data yeah. by X date. Yeah. And then you know we Blackwood has been on a reporting journey for a number of years. This is our fourth report coming out, and the first one I'll tell you was pretty light. It was like we're just going to get we're going to say first what we think we should say now, and then we're going to layer on to it. And last year we added ESG data, and this year we're adding our environmental strategy. And you don't do it all at once. Right, exactly. It's like you're orienting everyone to think around this versus it's some extra thing you've got to do on the side. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's exactly right. And I think also, unfortunately, what's happened is that there are a lot of ESG consultants out there. And hey, I'm one of them. Uh, but there are a lot of ESG consultants that I think make it way more complicated than it has to be. You know, there's this all, all of this attention paid to a materiality assessment and all of these interviews, and it's a year long process. And then you have to do, you know, develop all these metrics and targets and, and do all of this, you know, reporting. And yes, you should be doing all of that. But as you said, it's a step by step process. You got to start someplace. And uh, if you just start with, we should be paying attention to how we're governed. We should be paying attention to our impact on the community. We should be paying attention to the impact on the environment. And what can we do as a small organization or as a big um, organization to ensure that we're having a positive 
uh, impact in those areas, you know, rather than a negative impact in those areas. And you just start there. It can be very, very simple. I, I just gave a presentation to a nonprofit board uh, and spent, you know, 15 or 20 minutes uh, explaining what ESG is with a few slides and a few ideas about how the organization could have a more positive impact. And they were like, wow, that's like so simple. Uh, well, some it, of the things they already do might fit in that picture and that portfolio, and they're not getting lifted up and talked about. We I know we found that as we we're like, oh, we're already really good on certain fronts. We have gaps in other areas, but we weren't looking at it that way. So we didn't realize we should be lifting that up. Yes. So, yes, that's right. That's right. And, and I think, you know, once you come to that realization, then I think the important thing is the transparency. And that's where a lot of organizations say, well, I, I don't want to be transparent. I don't, I don't want to tell people what our goals are, what our strategies are. Or I don't want to put anything out there that I actually have to be accountable um, for. They want for-profit companies to do that. You know, they want for-profit companies to be transparent, but they don't want to be transparent themselves. And, you know, they've, they've got to get over it. And, you know, again, you can start start small, but you get a lot of points for just being transparent, for just saying, hey, we're going to start small we're going to, you know, take baby steps, you know, to do these things. It's going to take us three years or five years or 10 years or however many um, years, but we're going to we're going to report on our progress. Yeah. And the first thing to do is just to, you know, talk about what matters to you most, the materiality, and also just be open about what you do and, and what you know you don't do yet, but that you're working on. Because if you just leave it as a void, then then people can conclude that you don't care. Right. And I've got one of those. My son is graduating from college um, this month, and he has a minor in sustainability. We talk about this stuff all the time. He doesn't want to work for any organization that doesn't care. And he is one of millions of young people who are coming out thinking that way, yeah. which actually is really exciting. Really, Yeah, exciting. no, I think it's really terrific. I have a daughter who just entered the workforce, um, too, and they have a different mindset about the kinds of organizations they want to work for and uh, that they want to stay at, too. And, you know, for-profit companies have awakened to the fact that this is all part of their com competition for talent, and nonprofits are going to have to do the same thing. I mean, nonprofits are also in a war for talent. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them don't realize it yet, or they're just become, beginning to realize it, but it is a seller's market out there if you're a prospective employer, employee. And, you know, these young people, particularly Generation Zers, but, but also millennials, they, they, they want to work for organizations that have a positive impact in their communities and the environment. And uh, they want to have information about yeah. that impact. And I think the nonprofit sector does know. I'm actually headed to, uh, by the time this podcast runs, it'll already have happened, but the Association of Fundraising Professionals big conference is happening starting this weekend. And I'm moderating a panel sh panel on leadership kind of in this new world. And my colleagues and friends who are joining me were talking about this exact thing, that it's already difficult. Turnover, particularly in fundraising, is already a difficult thing to deal with. And, and now we have, you know, wage inflation, we have all sorts of things going on that are making it even harder and putting a lot of pressure on that leader who's literally like holding the keys to the organization. Yeah. So yeah. my question, you've talked about until donors and investors do something. So what can donors and investors of, in nonprofits do to encourage them to move in this direction in ESG? 
Well, A, they can just use their bully pulpits. Uh, you know, I think funders um, have a lot of power of just convening uh, people and talking to, you know, to, to nonprofit leaders and encouraging them to do certain things. But they can also fund some of this work. Uh, and I'm not saying this as someone who you know wants to be hired by uh, nonprofits, but, you know, it is helpful to have uh, an outside consultant come in and look at the organization and help the organization through this process. And organizations need funding uh, to do that. And unfortunately, you know, there are very, very few funders who are willing to give organizations funding for this. I mean, I just went through a process where an organization wanted to host um, some workshops for other nonprofit organizations in ESG to teach them about ESG and what it is and what they could do um, as organizations. And we approached a funder who has a very, very public uh, and strong commitment to sustainability and ESG work for a very small amount of money in order to do these you know, convenings um, and at, at some webinars. And they turned us down, um, and you know, which is it was a high priority uh, for them. Even though they have the commitment to sustainability and ESG, they didn't really see the connection uh, for helping nonprofits in, in this space. So I, I think that not only uh, can they embrace it themselves as foundations, and by the way, foundations are organizations too. Yes, they uh, are. And, and so foundations <laughs> should be doing their own ESG strategies uh, and, and reports. But, you know, they can embrace it and then help fund this work um, out there uh, with with organizations who are interested and who do want to do uh, the work but need a little bit of funding in order to make that happen. Okay. So speaking of funders, as a nonprofit takes a step, how do they how should they think about aligning with companies or funders that are in alignment with what what's material to them, what they all care about? And I think you we call this positive and negative screening. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of nonprofits just, just don't have the flexibility to be picky about who they they get money from. Uh, they they try to go every to everyone, um, but I do think that there's a certain screening that should happen. That you know, you as a nonprofit have a brand, uh, and your brand you want to as part of your brand to be associated with foundations and corporations and individuals who also have good brands. And there are some companies that have better brands than others when it comes to ESG work. There are foundations that have a stronger commitment to things like DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion than others, um, or, uh, or uh, you know, commitment to the environment, stronger commitment to the environment than others. And so you want to align yourself with those kinds of, of funders and ensure that uh, you're all on the same page um, in, in doing this work. So, you know, that does take a little bit of both you know, who do we want to be associated with in a positive way and who do we not want to be associated you know, with in a negative uh, way? And that should be part of your strategy and part of your brand um, as an organization. And, and unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't want to do that or they don't have the, the flexibility of doing that. But that's all going to be part of their ESG work. Um, going forward, it's not just about what they do, but it's with it's who they associated associate with. 
Yeah, for sure. So you have so much knowledge about this, and we could probably talk for a really, really long time, and I hope we continue to have these conversations. But how do people stay connected to what you're doing or keep updated on your work? Is there a way that that if the nonprofits who are listening to this are engaged, they can carry on in conversation? Well, I do write for Forbes through their leadership channel. Uh, and unfortunately, I haven't been writing as often as I, I used to because I'm right now serving as an interim executive director at a nonprofit theater company. Good for you. <laughs> together with my consulting practice. So I, I just haven't had enough, enough time, but I do plan to get back to that. Uh, but uh, I've been writing for Forbes for several years. So there are a, a number of columns uh, that are related to um, ESG and CSR uh, work, um, and particularly le recently more directed at nonprofits. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, and I do post on uh, LinkedIn um, occasionally. I'm also on other, you know, social media sites like Facebook and Instagram, uh, but LinkedIn probably is a better way of keeping uh, in, in touch with me. Uh, and also, we have a website. The Celeste Group has our uh, own website, CelesteGRP. Uh, and so we try to, you know, update that site on a regular basis too. Uh, but but probably Forbes and uh, LinkedIn are the best ways of of keeping in touch with me. Yeah, LinkedIn is terrific. It's really, it's not just a professional network, it's really active. And I find that people in social responsibility and ESG or DNI will really reach out to each other and say, hey, I see you have an intersection and you have interest in something. Can we talk about that? And yeah. and I know for me, if there's something that I want to share with the professional community, it's going to be through LinkedIn. So um, I already follow you, but I'm going to continue to follow you. Well, well, so thank you. Um, anything you want to add or close before we tie up this conversation? Uh, just to repeat that I think that ESG is is a, an operating strategy for organizations and you can make it as complicated or as simple um, as you need to, but I think it can be a relatively simple process. It can be a way of, an, of organizations looking at the work that they do and the impact that they have on their various stakeholders. And it, it's something that you can take baby steps in starting that process uh, and working toward a much more disciplined uh, and much more formal approach. But as you said, it's really a mindset. It's really getting started and thinking about what is our impact um, on our employees? What's our impact on our customers? What's our impact on the community? What's our impact on the environment? What is it that we're already doing that fits into um, this strategy that we could be more transparent um, about? And what are some simple goals uh, that we could establish that we would be willing to report on uh, in a public way? And as, as soon as you start that process, then the next step becomes easier and the next step becomes easier because your stakeholders are going to get behind you. They're going to be supportive of what you're what you're doing. And particularly your employees are going to embrace this and especially your younger uh, employees. So it's, it's really just a matter of getting started in doing this work. Uh, but I think it's uh, important work for uh, both the for profit community and the not for profit and community and ultimately will have a positive impact uh, on our on our world. Well, Tim, this has been delightful. Um, I look forward to having more conversations with you about hey. this and other ESG related things. So thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Okay, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
So to the SG Engage podcast listening audience, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and other podcasts that you can listen to however you find your sessions. So thank you again for joining us. This is Rachel Hutchison signing off.